Welcome to Misty 101 podcast. We hope that you enjoy this episode of our podcast. Russia is preparing for false flag operation in Ukraine after massing troops at border, US warns. The US has shared concerns that Russia could preparing for the possibility of a new military assault to justify an invasion of Ukraine, a government official said. Ukrainian government websites were hit with a warning today to be afraid and expect the worst. Russia has denied involvement, despite having now amassed more than 100,000 troops on its neighbors' borders and releasing pictures of more of its forces on the move earlier today. A U.S. government official has now said there are concerns Russia has already pre-positioned a group of operatives to conduct a false flag operation in eastern Ukraine. The official said, the operatives are trained in urban warfare and in using explosives to carry out acts of sabotage against Russia's own proxy forces. Our information also indicates that Russian influence actors are already starting to fabricate Ukrainian provocations in state and social media to justify Russian intervention and sow divisions in Ukraine. For example, Russian officials and influence actors are emphasizing narratives about the deterioration of human rights in Ukraine and the increased militancy of Ukrainian leaders. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki told reporters at her daily briefing that the intelligence shows Russia is laying the groundwork to have the option of fabricating a pretext for invasion. Ms. Seiki added that Russians appear to be following the same methods they used when they took control of Crimea in 2014. She said, we saw this before, leading up to 2014, just to note, through sabotage activities and information operations, by accusing Ukraine of preparing an imminent attack against Russian forces. She added that an invasion by Russia now may result in widespread human rights violations and war crimes should diplomacy fail to meet their objectives. The comments came hours after Ukraine was hit by a massive cyber attack. Ukraine's foreign ministry spokesperson said it was too early to say who could be behind the attack, but that Russia had been behind similar strikes in the past. Ms. Seiki added President Joe Biden had been briefed on the attack and that the U.S. has offered our support as Ukraine investigates the impact and recovers from the incidents. Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov dismissed the reports as based on unfounded information, TASS news agency reported. Russia responds to U.S. false flag claims. After Western media carried reports, on Friday, citing unnamed U.S. officials, claiming that Russia is preparing a false flag incident in order to invade Ukraine, the Kremlin has dismissed them as baseless and unfounded rumors. So far, all these statements have been unsubstantiated and not backed up by anything spokesman Dmitry Peskov told TASS news agency, when asked about the stories making the rounds. Earlier in the day, anonymous U.S. officials echoed claims from Kiev that Russia had sent operatives into the disputed regions of Donetsk and Lugansk in eastern Ukraine, to prepare a provocation that could trigger an invasion. CNN was the first to report the assertion, followed by The Guardian, Washington Post, Reuters, AFP and Bloomberg. 
Washington has accused Moscow of planning to invade Ukraine for weeks now, though the Kremlin rejected this as fake news. Similar warnings have been publicized in U.S. media every year since 2015, always based on anonymous sources, and have never come to pass. The quotes from an anonymous U.S. official apparently dovetailed with insinuations by U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan about Russia laying the groundwork to have the option of fabricating a pretext for an invasion brought up at Thursday's White House press briefing. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby referred to these claims at his own briefing on Friday, but then added the U.S. assessment is that Russia hasn't yet decided whether to invade. Washington's claims come after a week of high-level talks with Russia, NATO and the OSH to discuss Moscow's proposals for improving collective security in Europe. The US and its allies rejected Russia's key proposals out of hand. Russia orders snap inspection of troops' readiness for rapid deployment. Troops in Russia's Far East have begun winter inspections, according to a statement by the country's Ministry of Defense as Moscow holds talks with NATO about de-escalating tensions. Officials announced on Friday that forces stationed in the Eastern Military District, which covers a vast swath of land from Siberia to the Sea of Japan, were undertaking inspections and exercises intended to ensure their military readiness. The ministry said this would include live firing in testing ranges and emphasized that special attention would be paid to the soldiers' preparedness for rapid deployment. The military forces of the Russian Federation are continuing the planned exercises for the winter period. In order to prepare to conduct the strategic exercises Vostok 2022, the troops of the Eastern Military District are undertaking snap inspections of their operational readiness the statement read. It concluded, the undertakings will help to assess the Eastern Military District's troops' readiness to carry out tasks according to instructions after they have been reorganized across the great distances of the territory of the Russian Federation. Omicron exit wave possible in the summer, scientists say. A wave of Omicron cases is possible over the summer as people resume social activities and the effect of the vaccines wanes according to scientists advising the government. Experts from the Scientific Advisory Group for Emergencies, SAGE, said the precise timing and magnitude of the exit wave is highly dependent on both population behavior and the scale of the current wave, and cannot be predicted with any certainty. According to modeling, the projection is for between fewer than 1,000 admissions each day in the next wave to about 2,000 each day, if Plan B restrictions remain in place until the end of January and are followed by a gradual return to socializing. Omicron has shown itself to be a milder form of COVID-19, with those admitted to hospital less likely to need oxygen and less likely to require intensive care, early data suggests. Instead, there have generally been better outcomes and shorter stays for patients, and one analysis showed a reduction in risk of hospitalization of between 35% and 65% for Omicron when compared with Delta. The growth advantage of Omicron over Delta may also have been overestimated, the documents suggest, 
Due to Omicron having a shorter generation time, the average time between a person getting infected and then infecting others. But that does not mean everyone can relax, as hospital admissions are expected to peak later this month, according to the group. The group said, it remains likely based on the scenarios that hospital admissions in England will remain high for some time as a result of the very high number of infections and the continued risk of hospitalisation for the elderly and unvaccinated adults in particular. On Friday, the UK Health Security Agency updated England's COVID R number to between 1.1 and 1.5 a slightly wider range than last week's estimate of 1.2 to 1.5. This means that every 10 people infected with coronavirus will on average pass the disease to between 11 and 15 other people. The UK reported 99,652 new cases on Friday, down from 109,133 on Thursday. This means that the seven-day tally fell by 29.5% compared to the previous week. On Tuesday, rules came into force meaning that people in England who get a positive result from a lateral flow test will no longer need a follow-up PCR to begin their isolation period if they do not have symptoms. There were 270 deaths reported in the same 24-hour period to Friday down from 335 deaths reported on Thursday and 398 deaths reported on Wednesday. Friday's figures showed that the seven-day total for deaths was up 67% on the previous week. This brings the total number of COVID-related deaths to more than 151,000. However, Separate figures published by the Office for National Statistics show there have been more than 174,000 deaths registered in the UK where COVID-19 was mentioned on the death certificate. Prince Andrew faces calls to pay for his own security. The Duke of York faces calls to pay for his own security and relinquish his dukedom after being stripped of his military affiliations and royal patronage in the fallout over the civil sexual assault case against him. The calls come as his accuser, Virginia Guyoufra, welcomed the New York court ruling that paved the way for her lawsuit against Prince Andrew to proceed to trial, as she pledged to continue to expose the truth. Prince Charles who, with Prince William, was reportedly key to the Queen making her decision on Andrew's future ignored questions about his brother while on an engagement in Scotland. With Andrew prevented from using his His Royal Highness style in any official capacity and banned from royal duties, calls were growing for him to lose his taxpayer-funded Scotland Yard security and his title Duke of York. Rachel Maskell the Labour MP for York Central, tweeted it was untenable for Andrew to cling on to his title another day longer, and Daryl Smalley, a senior member of City of York Council, launched a campaign to strip Andrew of his dukedom. The security minister, Damien Hines, refused to confirm whether taxpayers would continue to fund Andrew's security arrangements, telling LBC, our security forces, the police and others, do what they judge is necessary to protect our country, to protect people in it.
It was a long-standing and I think correct principle that we don't talk about who and how in particular, he added. Andrew has made clear he intends to continue to fight to clear his name over allegations made by Guy Ufra, 38, that she was forced into having sex with him when she was 17 and had been trafficked by the disgraced financier Jeffrey Epstein. He vehemently denies the allegations. A source close to the Duke said on Thursday, this is a marathon not a sprint and the Duke will continue to defend himself against these claims. Security costs are never discussed by Buckingham Palace or the Metropolitan Police. But it has been reportedly estimated that the annual cost to the taxpayer of guarding Andrew could be up to £2 million. Related Prince Andrew faces trial after judge refuses to dismiss Guy for a case. Graham Smith, of the campaign group Republic, questioned whether the taxpayer should fund security for any royals except the head of state. Of Andrew, he said, given that he's no longer in any real sense a member of the royal household it does make sense he pays for his own security. The question of taxpayer-funded security for non-working royals was last raised when the Duke and Duchess of Sussex stepped down. When Harry and Meghan made public their decision early last year, their website suggested that the Home Office, through the Metropolitan Police, should continue to provide protection for the couple and their young son, Archie. The Sussexes later signed multimillion-pound deals with Netflix and Spotify with the Duke telling Oprah Winfrey he had secured them to pay for his security. The former Home Office Minister and Royal author Norman Baker said, Andrew, has, like Harry, kept his His Royal Highness even if he is not using it. But that means he still qualifies to spend public money and qualifies for security. He is no longer carrying out royal duties so should have the His Royal Highness taken away along with his security. Baker also called for him to have his dukedom revoked. As Andrew faces mounting legal bills, it is not known if the Queen is assisting him with these privately. He receives an allowance from the Queen from her Duchy of Lancaster estate and may benefit from personal investments and bequests from family members. He also has a modest naval pension. Related, Sarah Ferguson, will ex-wife continue to remain steadfast for Prince Andrew? He lives in the Grace and Favour Royal Lodge at Windsor and is now in the process of selling a ski chalet he co-owns with his ex-wife, Sarah, Duchess of York. He sold his former marital home, Sunninghill Park near Windsor, which was a wedding gift from the Queen in 2007 to the son-in-law of the former ruler of Kazakhstan for £15 million, £3 million over the asking price. The Duke's daughters, Princesses Beatrice and Eugenie, received official protection until 2011 but now must foot the bill themselves. Gaiufra has praised Wednesday's court ruling that rejected legal arguments by Andrew's lawyer to have her case against him dismissed. She wrote on Twitter that she was pleased with the ruling, adding, I'm glad I will have the chance to continue to expose the truth and I am deeply grateful to my extraordinary legal team. 
Their determination helps me seek justice from those who hurt me and so many others. My goal has always been to show that the rich and powerful are not above the law and must be held accountable. Dog locked in suitcase and thrown in the Mersey. The body of a dog padlocked inside a suitcase was discovered after it had been dumped into the River Mersey. Animal Rescue Charity, the RSPCA, has now launched an investigation after the body of a young male dog was found inside a pink suitcase by a dog walker on Tuesday. The suitcase, which was padlocked, was spotted by a dog walker at the side of the River Mersey near the Speak and Garston Coastal Reserve earlier this week. On closer inspection, the walker could see the suitcase had ripped and inside the body of the dog was visible so she reported the matter to the RSPCA. Animal rescuer, Inspector Anthony Joins said the pet, which was not microchipped, had blood loss from his nose and mouth and is keen to trace the owner of the pet. He added that he is treating the incident as suspicious due to the blood loss which he claims suggests blunt force trauma incident to the head. Inspector Joins said, I am treating this as suspicious as the dog had blood loss from his nose and mouth suggesting a blunt force trauma incident to the head could have caused the death of the dog. The fact the body was put in a suitcase which was padlocked and thrown into the river is also suspicious. Sometimes these injuries can be from road traffic accidents but x-rays have found no broken bones which would be expected, and the way the body was disposed of is clearly unusual. I am now keen to trace the owners of this dog and am appealing for anyone with information to get in touch. I think the body had been in the river only for a short period looking at the fact there was little decomposition. He added that the suitcase in which the dog was found was also a distinctive pink color with the name Chantel written in black marker on the side so is hoping this may help to identify the owner of the pet. Scott's dad left brain damaged and blind after feasting on fish supper diet which caused two strokes. A dad who suffered two strokes in three months after years of eating too many fish suppers has warned of the dangers of an unhealthy lifestyle. Jay Johnson was just 44 when he had his first stroke and admitted that until then he had thought little about his poor diet. To mark stroke prevention day to day, Jay is telling his story after being left blind and brain damaged in the hope Scots will improve their diet and lifestyle to avoid the killer condition. Jay's first stroke was caused by high blood pressure after years of an unhealthy lifestyle and diet. He said, when I was 21, I only weighed 7 stone, so I thought I could eat anything I wanted. I loved fish suppers. If I could talk to my 18-year-old self, I would tell myself to wise up. Before my stroke I didn't have a clue an unhealthy lifestyle could cause a stroke. I never want to run the risk of having another stroke. That is why I've made lifestyle changes and it's making me feel like a happier, better person. His poor lifestyle took hold at 19, after the murder of his dad Marvin, 38, a part-time soldier who was shot dead by the IA in Belfast. His bad diet worsened as he nursed his previous fiancée, Julie Cook, through her battle with cancer. When she died, a month before their wedding, 
he was so broken-hearted his poor relationship with food continued. Just five months after Julie's death, he suffered his first stroke while chatting to a friend on FaceTime. He said, my speech was really slurred, as if I was drunk, and my friend told me to go to bed. I stood to go to bed, my left leg buckled and I fell. I tried to use my left arm to push myself up but there was no power in it. I shuffled myself off to bed using my right arm and leg to crawl along the floor. It was frightening. He made a partial recovery but suffered a second stroke 11 weeks later, a fortnight after he had take part in a 5k run, against doctor's advice. This time it was more serious, leaving him blind and with brain damage which causes him to be irritable and overly emotional. Jay, now 48, who lives near Dunfermline, Fife, has slowly got his life back on track after the strokes in 2018. He has taken up disabled darts and will walk down the aisle in August to marry fiancée Sarah Thompson. But he admitted his fast food addiction was a recipe for disaster. But having swapped takeaways for healthy eating, and with his guide dog Bailey by his side, he now has renewed confidence. And he is now embarking on an international sports career playing darts and is working towards a UK Paralympic team place playing goalball, a team sport designed specifically for athletes with a vision impairment. John Watson, Associate Director Scotland at the Stroke Association said, a stroke happens in the brain, the control centre for who we are and what we can do. It can happen at any time and at any age and can be devastating. We know not all strokes are avoidable but as many as 9 out of 10 strokes could be prevented as they are linked to things you can change or manage. We know that it isn't always easy, so pick something that's manageable for you. Aim to stick with it for an initial 3 months and, if you can do that, you're more likely to form a regular habit. As a first step, the Stroke Association wants people to make one small change to reduce their risk of stroke. These can include even small changes like changing your diet to include less salt, exercising more, eating more fruit and vegetables or drinking less alcohol which could make a real difference. Big cat sightings near M5 rise after lockdown as the animals grow bolder. Big cat sightings around the M5 in the Midlands are on the increase during the pandemic, with dozens of people claiming they've seen the beasts. Police and a big cat expert have said they have noticed a big rise of motorists claiming to have seen the animals. And the pandemic has made it more likely to see the elusive creatures as trackers say they are getting bolder in their hunt for food after lockdowns left roads and villages near the M5 deserted. Historian claims he saw a puma twice on Cannock Chase. One police force said it has had multiple big cat sightings reported to them in recent years, and a specialist in the beasts has claimed they are now part of our wildlife. Big cats are classed as an animal which is bigger than a large dog and similar in appearance to a puma or panther. One woman in Gloucestershire told how she had to leg it after seeing a massive black beast whilst out walking and had to run to a nearby house to calm down and get help. Experts say the dense, 
thick woodland around the M5 in Worcestershire and Gloucestershire is ideal hunting territory for a big cat. Big cat expert, Frank Tunbridge, told Gloucestershire Live how there had been a surge of big cat sightings last autumn in the Forest of Dean and other areas. And a Freedom of Information request to Gloucestershire Police also revealed multiple big cat sightings in the last five years. Mr Tunbridge, who lives in Gloucestershire, has studied wildlife for decades and has a special interest in exotic wildlife which is found in the UK. Over recent months, the 74-year-old has received dozens of emails and calls about reports of big cat sightings which have happened across Gloucestershire and beyond, including one from a man in Worcester. Mr Tunbridge said, to a large majority of the British public, the thought of big predatory cats similar in description to a black leopard or a puma stalking through our woods and fields is unbelievable. Yet to a witness who has observed one of these elusive and stealthy creatures at close quarters, the experience is unforgettable and it lives with them forever. He said lots of people remained skeptical about the creature's existence, but he himself was a believer. The whole subject of big cats living and thriving within the UK has been rolling on for decades now without a satisfactory conclusion he said. However. The evidence for their existence is overwhelming, facts which have been confirmed include DNA, deer killed and consumed in a certain way and big cat paw marks. There can be no doubt that over the years these animals are out there as a result of releases and escapes from private collections. They have bred and spread covertly throughout the British Isles to become naturalised and are now part of our diverse exotic wildlife. He said since lockdown, with fewer cars on the road and people staying indoors, they had become bolder and were seen close to the M5 and towns and villages, scavenging for food in similar ways to urban foxes. The massive deer population in the area is their main source of prey, with the diminutive muntjac and larger roe deer ideal for them he said. These big cats are harmless towards people. They should be accepted as an interesting addition to the British wildlife scene. We hope that you have enjoyed our podcast. We thank you for your support. We hope to see you again next time.